Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. You have walked into an atmosphere here this morning. You know, sometimes it's easier to teach at the 12 because you guys have already set the atmosphere for those who are to come. But yesterday we had a gathering of women in this building and it was stuffed to the rafters of girls just praising and worshipping God. And it set the atmosphere for all that is to come today, for what you have walked into. And though I love Braveheart and I love the gathering of women, I'm not personally drawn to events. I'm a local church girl builder. The house of God is what is important. It's the house of God that Jesus gave his life for to build it. And so everything that we do that is external from a Sunday, our young adults gatherings, our incredible youth gatherings, our brave heart gatherings, they are all just feeders into the house of God. It is just a way to facilitate and establish families and help individuals find their place. So I'm excited to be in the house of God today. People said to me, did you go home? Did you put your feet up yesterday? I said, no, I got straight back into the Word of God because Sunday is coming. But this is not, this is not the, the, the other sister. This word today, it's fresh and it's important and it's relevant. And I believe that God is going to give you some clarity in an area of your life that perhaps you've taken for granted. An area of your life that you have perhaps thought, I don't actually think I need clarity in this area. I think I've got this area pretty much covered. I'm going to probably bust open and give you some revelation and, and help you see a little bit differently today because God wants to speak. So we're going to right place Him. We already have in the worship. Let's just close our eyes and just breathe for a moment. Turn our hearts towards you, Jesus. God, I'm asking you by your spirit, come, be present. God, use my mouth, these words, Lord God, to make your scripture relevant and come alive in the hearts of those who hear it. And I pray for all of us as individuals that we don't just hear your word and do nothing. But good, we allow it to mold and shape and change our lives. Good God that you are. I pray that you help me to articulate this word today. And may it be your breath of life that people receive. And I ask all of this in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and take your seats. Well, if you've been in church for the past couple of weeks, that you will know that we are currently in the middle of a series 
called Mark My Word. And we have been looking at different stories throughout the book of Mark and how they can translate or relate to our lives today. And I've enjoyed this series. I've actually got a lot out of studying this series. A lot of the stories that we've been going through have been stories that we and those of us who are Christ followers, we're quite familiar with a lot of the stories. But we can become so familiar with the Word of God that we actually gloss over some of the integral, hidden parts that are right there before us in the Word of God. And so I want to talk to you today. The subject that I want to talk to you around is the area of friendship. Friendship. There's a neuroscientist. He's out in the Northwestern University out in Chicago. His name is Professor Moran Cerf. And he has given the last 10 years of his life studying the relationship between the friendships that you have and the decisions that you make. He has been, for the past 10 years, trying to answer the question, how do the friends that I have affect the choices that I make in life? He discovered that the relationships that you have determine the brainwaves of your mind. He has come up and done some years and years of research, and he has discovered that actually, when you spend time in the company with people, that your brainwaves begin to mirror each other. Your brainwaves begin to mirror those you spend the most time with. In other words, you begin to think like each other. His research went on to say, the surest way to maximize happiness has got nothing to do with life experience or material goods. But happiness in the truest sense of the word comes from the people you decide to spend your time with. He goes on to say, if you want to maximize happiness and minimize stress, surround yourself with people who embody the traits that you prefer. Simply saying, right? Surround yourself with people that have traits or possess qualities that you do not have, but you wished you had. Surround yourself with people who are behaving a way and being a way and their lifestyle is a way that yours is not, but you wish yours was. Because just by being in the company with those people, your brainwaves begin to mimic their brainwaves and you will begin to adopt their attitudes. Just from spending time in the right company, you will begin over time to take Take on and naturally learn those desired behaviors and attitudes. But the flip side of that is also true. You spend time in the wrong company and your brainwaves are going to mirror those that you are in the company of. And you are going to adopt wrong desires 
and wrong attitudes. You spend time in the company of someone whose life is going, whose lifestyle is going in an opposite direction to the one that you want your lifestyle to go in. You will pick up on their brainwaves and eventually you will begin to think like them, talk like them, act like them and the desires and the morals and the plans and the dreams that you had will begin to fade and you will gravitate to becoming more like them. 1 Corinthians 15 puts it like this. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I just find that so interesting that a professor, God love him, and we're thankful for all of the professors in the world, but you do know that professors and scientists only ever discover the truth that's been written in the Bible thousands of years ago. They're just backing up truth. And God wrote in his word thousands of years earlier, do not be misled because bad company corrupts good character. And I find this fascinating going off what Professor Moran said when he said your brainwaves just begin to mirror each other because what the word of God does not say is that bad teaching corrupts good character. It doesn't say bad leadership corrupts good character. It doesn't say a bad education will corrupt a good character. Simply being in the company of people who are not wanting to go in the same direction as you, it will corrupt your character. Who you watch, who, what you watch, You know, I don't know how it is for you in your household, but I have a boundary when it comes to the stuff that I watch. I don't give way into like those like horror movies or things that are overly sexually promiscuous because I don't want to play with the enemy. I don't want to give him a space in my thought life. So I'm not going to allow him to influence me because I don't want to start thinking along those lines. So I have a boundary. What do you watch? Who are you allowing to influence you? Who's speaking into your life? Who do you spend time with? Let me bring this down a little bit to the the now generation. Who are you snapping, chatting, texting? Whose feed are you scrolling through? Because it all has an influence, an influence on who you're becoming. All of it has an influence. But when you connect with the right people, the right things begin to happen in your life. You know, in Genesis 2, when God created Adam, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. And we use that passage of Scripture so often during wedding ceremonies, but it's not actually speaking about marriage. Because when God said it is not good for man to be alone, he was not looking at the male species. When the Bible refers to man, he's referring to mankind. And what God was actually saying was this species I have made called mankind doesn't do well on its own. I have not designed it to be on its own. The author and creator and maker and designer of your very being said about you, you do not do well having long periods of time on your own. And there is no exception. He didn't say, except if you are an introvert, except if you are socially inept, except 
if you are grumpy. No, no, no. They are all traits of your character. They're a flaw in your character. Maybe you just need to work through some stuff. But actually, the being that you are, the physical being, was not designed to do life alone. God said they need company. They need companionship. And they need friendship. According to two psychologists in the 1950s, Dr. Joseph Luft and Dr. Harrington Ingman, they said that every single one of us has within us four parts. They put it into like a window, four parts of our character, four parts of our personality or our being. These are the arena, the blind spot, the facade, and the unknown. These are Four areas that we all have in our life. Every single one of us has all of these four areas. The arena, the blind spot, the facade, and the unknown. Now, the arena of your life is the open area of your life. The arena of your life is what you understand about yourself and it's what everybody else knows about you. It's the arena of your life that is on display and it is the arena of your life that other people will build up a picture of who you are. The arena of your life, it speaks of your personality and your characteristics and it's it's how people summarize the type of person that you are. It's out of the arena of our life that we do most of our communicating. But we also have in our life a blind spot. And the blind spot is what other people know about you, but you can't see it yourself. It's that kink in your personality. It's that flaw. It's that twist. And most of us can't see our own kink. Most of us are not aware, but there is something about you. I don't care how highly you think of yourself. There is something in your character that just annoys people. There's part of you that just rubs people up the wrong way. There is something about the way you conduct your life that is just... It's not that brilliant. It's a crease. It's a kink. It's a flaw. It kind of, it needs ironing out. It's your blind spot. You can't see it, but other people know it about you. Then we have the facade. Now, the facade is the information you know about yourself, and you're going to keep it that way. And so we all have a facade. The facade is the part of you that you don't want other people to know about you. And we all have a facade because your facades come from a past experience. Your facade might be a secret that you're keeping. A facade is just there's something about my life that I am aware of, but I do not want other people to know. It's a secret. It's a past experience. It's a, it might be a fear. It might be a feeling. It might be a way of life. But whatever it is, it is personal information about yourself that you are reluctant to reveal to others. It is your facade. And then there is the unknown. And the unknown is the part of you that hasn't lived yet. Because you are not the arrived and finished product. You are still becoming. You have a pulse. You're still becoming. I don't care if you're in this room. You're 60, 70, 80, 90. You are still becoming. 
And so that is the unknown part of your life. There is, you are there to grow and to develop and stretch and learn. We are all still learning and therefore you are still becoming. And the reason that we need friendship in our life is because we need people to speak into all four areas of our life. We need people that are going to encourage you and help develop you. You need people that are going to speak into the arena of your life so that the arena of your life stays healthy. You need friends in your world who are going to reveal your blind spots, who are going to uncover your facade. You need people in your life that are going to strengthen you and encourage you and set you up for the person that you are becoming. You know, we, we need this in our life. It's what we all need, friendships that are healthy, a way that you can grow. You know, there is a story in, the, um, in Mark's gospel, in the second book of Mark. There's a story that actually we've spoken about from this platform so many times. It's a familiar story, but I want to revisit it today, and I want to look at it through the lens of friendship and see how friendship works in the area of the arena, the blind spot, the facade, and the unknown. I'm going to read the story to you. It is, of course, the story where we have four friends who lower their friend through the ceiling into the house where Jesus is. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, The people heard that he had come and they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. He preached the word to them and some men came bringing a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above by digging through it and then they lowered him in on the mat he was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And then jumping down to verse 11, it says, Jesus said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And he got up and he took his mat and he just walked out of there in full view of everyone. This amazed the people and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this before. Who wants an experience where you say, oh my gosh, I have never seen anything like this before. So Jesus is in Capernaum and he's in the house teaching. It could be, you know, it's kind of like get the image of church because wherever Jesus was, the crowds flocked because he had a reputation now. Jesus, they knew that the words of Jesus Jesus possessed a way of life that they did not have, and they knew that his words could change the trajectory of their life. So wherever Jesus was, they flocked to him. So these men come carrying their friend on a mat, and there's people like busting out the door, they're on the streets, they're hanging out the windows, they can't even get near the house, but they've got this friend. And we know nothing about this man. We don't know much or any of his background. The Bible does not give us that information. But what we do know about the arena of this man's life is that he did life on a mat. Like the mat was his vicinity. That was the proximity on which he lived. He didn't move dependently outside of the mat. What we know about this man is that he had no use of his legs, that he was in fact 
absolutely crippled. We know that this man would have been a beggar in his town because he would not have been able to work. We assume he would not be married and we assume he does not have children. This man would have been an outcast from society because he wouldn't have been able to join in with any of the community activity. This is what we know about this man. However, this man had friends. He had friends who could walk because it says about him that four men came to the house where Jesus was speaking, carrying this man on a mat. I don't know how you go about finding friends in your life. And I don't know how you would define friendship. Some would say, well, I have 30,000 followers on Instagram, so I'm really popular. I'm not short of friends. And seriously, jokes aside, that is how this generation view their popularity and view their friendship. Other people would say, well, you know, I just happened to get a job in this place and me and Sandra just got on so well. We're just like best mates now. We're next to each other. And we just find our friends through default. And other people might say, well, it's people like, you know, these give attention to me, these didn't give attention to me, and so I'm going to be friends with the ones that pay attention to me. Now, I'm sure there's a place for all of that, and while some of that might be part and true, I really want to drive this point home, that friendship should never be accidental, but friendship should always be intentional, like you seek out your friends. You know, it is way easier now more than ever to make friends and not even leave your house. I mean, you can sit in your bedroom and swipe left, swipe right, and out of desperation and loneliness, just form some sort of connections. But the Bible teaches us, be wise and find the right friends. Proverbs 12, 26 says the righteous choose their friends carefully. I don't go through life just collecting people for a laugh. Choose your friends carefully. You've actually heard me tell this story from the platform before, but just for a point of illustration, I'm going to tell you again. And it was the season that I found myself in hospital when I was battling cancer. And when I'd been given the diagnosis and I started the treatment, I was taken into a room with one of the nurses and she sat me down and she just began this conversation with me about everything they do for people like me. And she handed me a gift bag and it was a very kind what she was saying and it was very kind what she was doing. But we have coffee mornings for people like you. And if you want to get your nails done, We'll have a beautician come into the ward and you can have your nails done here and they will massage your hands and they will massage your feet and you can find some like-minded people and you can make friends here while you're going through your treatment. We walked out of that hospital and I dropped the whole bag in the bin and Luke is looking at me like horrified. Now, I need you to hear me on this because actually what they do and what the systems they set up are incredible. And I commend anybody that offers their services to help people in a difficult time. This is my story, right? I said to Luke, hey, 
If I'm going to have coffee, I'm going to go and have it in the land of the living. If I'm going to sit and have conversation, I'm going to have it with healthy people. If I'm going to go and and, and go out and socialize with people, I'm going to go out with people who've got long, glossy hair and thick eyelashes, and I'm going to look in their face, and I'm going to think, that's going to be me one of these days. That's what I want to do. If I'm going to get my nails done, I'm going down to the nail bar where every other girl is. I am not sitting in a room full of sick people talking about how sorry we feel for ourselves. I don't want to sit in a room where one day you're there and the next week I go, you're missing. I want to be in the land of the living. So I am going to choose my friends wisely. I don't want to sit in a room of like-minded people and talk about the misery and the things that we have lost and the situation we find ourselves in. I need to get around. Get me back into the church. Do you know the church was the place the doctor told me I couldn't be? He said, don't be in that place. He said, how many people go? I said, oh, um, handful. And he was like, oh, no, more than a handful. You can't be around them, Emma. You have no immune system. I was like, get me in the house of God. Get me around the healthy. Get me around those who are uplifting the name of Jesus because I want to cast my eyes and be in the company of those I aspire to one day be. And this man in this story, he had friends who were in a better life placement than he was because he had friends who had legs that worked when his legs didn't. This man had the sense to make friends with people who were in a better place of life. He looked, he had friends who could carry him when he needed to be carried. And I want you to look at your own life and ask yourself the question, who is there in my world who will carry me when I am in a season of my life when I need to be carried? Because at some point in your life, you're going to be need to be carried. You're going to need to be carried by prayer for your life. You're going to be needed to be carried by someone else's faith in your life. And you are going to be, have a season in your life where you're going to need to be carried by grace when you've messed up in life. So if you've got friends that don't know what grace is, guess what? You're not going to be able to be carried. If you're surrounded by friends who don't know how to pray, Who's going to carry you in your hour of need? There are going to be seasons in your life where you're going to need someone else's courage to carry you. You're going to need someone else's counsel to carry you. And you're going to need to be carried on the correction of somebody else. Hello? You do know, right, that good friends speak correction into your life. That good friends can see your facade. Good friends can see you got a blind spot there. I I am thankful for people that have spoken to my world. And you know what? When people bring correction to your life, it's an ow. It really is. It's a, oh, I want to fight them. I want to go, yeah, but, you know, yeah, but, yeah, but. And I want to tell them. But actually, The Bible says in Proverbs 27 that wounds from a friend can be trusted. If you have got a good godly friend in your life and they bring you counsel that is correction, then I'm telling you it might wound you, but it's only ever going to better you. A true friend is able to point out your flaws. Why? Because they're not against you. They only ever want the best for you. I might be able to have a laugh with those around me. I might be able to do the party thing with those around me. 
But the chances are, if all I do is make friends with those who are around me, who are like me, well, their downfalls are my downfalls. So when I do fall down, who's going to pick me up? Because if they're only the same as me, how am I ever going to get any better? Well, this guy was lame, but he had four friends who could walk. He could have allowed jealousy to stop him from becoming friends with the four men that could walk. You know, how come your legs work and mine don't? He could have allowed pride, and it's really difficult for a lot of people, a lot of men particularly, to say, actually, I need help. He could have allowed pride to stop him making friends. He could have allowed a root of bitterness. I just hate my life. I hate that my life is in this place. I hate that I'm in this. Look at you. You're all walking. You're all partying. You're all married. You've all had children. And he could have just sat on his mat and got bitter. But God doesn't want you bitter. He wants you better. And the only way you're going to get better is to surround yourself with people who are further on on the journey than you are. And you know what? The list goes on. This man could have allowed intimidation to be his limitation. He could have... He could have said, oh, you know, all the excuses that we put forth to stop us from having friendships on a level that is better than us. Paranoia. They're all talking about me. Insecurity. They don't really want to hang out with me. Rejection. They just feel sorry for me. We make all the excuses we can possibly think of to stop ourselves from having relationships with those who are in a better life placement than we are. And so you end up choosing your friendship according to the level that you're living life on. But God says in Proverbs 3.20, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. I don't think it could be any more clear than that. You know, I hope Professor Moran Seraf is reading the Word of God because it's backing up everything he said. Associate with fools because your brainwaves are going to get on the same level. You're going to end up behaving like them. Now, when the Bible talks about fools, he's not talking about the class clown. When the Word of God talks about a fool, he's talking about people that are not going to be able to give you wise and godly counsel. People that maybe are far away from God for whatever reason they don't walk with God. Maybe they've never been yet introduced to God. But God says that's going to a foolish place for counsel. It's kind of like if you're a guy in here today and you call yourself a child of God, you're a God-honoring, God-following man, but you go into work and you sit down and you ask the guy next to you what you should do about the crisis you're having in your marriage. That's foolishness. Because he might be able to take you out for a pint, but... He's not going to speak words of life into your situation. And so you have to go to the right places. So this paralyzed man, he had friends that he could rely on. And the story reads in such a way that we assume these four friends had faith in Jesus. They were desperate to get their friend to Jesus. So they had faith in Jesus. So we can assume that they've had an encounter with Jesus before, which meant that these four friends could see a blind spot in their friend that he couldn't see for himself. You see, the fellow on the floor, he knew that his legs weren't working. He knew that he needed a physical healing, but he couldn't see the blind spot. And that was what he needed his life to be 
be made whole. And his friends knew that about him. His friends knew he doesn't just need a physical healing. He needs his heart healing. He needs his life restoring. He needs to be made whole. And that can only come when he has an encounter with God. And so, you know, he needs to have a life that is purpose-filled and driven. And there are going to be seasons in your life when you need to be carried because you're not going to be able to get to where you need to get to on your own. So it's not about how many friends you have. It's about knowing the type of friends that you have. This man, this man had friends that did not give up on him easily. He had friends when they couldn't get into the house. They didn't see the problem as a roadblock. They saw the problem as a hurdle and said, we'll we'll get over it. Oh, get some friends in your world that look at your problems and say, we'll get over it. We'll get through it. We'll get around it. They were committed to the journey. They could have looked at this man on the mat and gone, sorry, Bob, we tried. They're full today and taking him back. But they didn't. They got together in a hustle, in a group, and they figured the thing out. What can we do to get this man to Jesus? How can we get him into the place? Choose life to do friends with a community of people that see your problem from a different perspective. Get those type of friends in your life. Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel plans fail, but with many advisors they succeed. Get the right people around you advising you. This guy had four friends that came together and said, whatever it takes, we're getting you in that room. Have you got some whatever it takes people in your world? Whatever it takes to get you into the house of God, we will get you there. Whatever it takes to get to see your miracle come to the pass, I'm in it with you. Whatever it takes, whatever bridge you've got to go across, I'm coming over it with you. Hey, haven't seen you in church for a while. Hey, let me pick you up next Sunday. Hey, I notice you've been missing from life group. Hey, I, I, I'm just wondering, could, could, could I get around you? Can I be there for you? Make sure you've got some whatever it takes to get you to Jesus type of friends in your world. Those that are for you. You've heard it said from the platform often enough. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You know, just because... They're good to you. It does not mean they're good for you. And it's really important that you know that. You know the difference. Hey, Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Oh, man, it feels good to me. But it ain't good for me. So just because it feels good, that relationship, it feels good, that friendship, just because it feels It doesn't mean it is. And so you've got to be able to choose wisely. You've got to look at more than just a good time and just a good laugh because your life is a precious journey. So please surround yourselves with people who are sound at character. Don't be surrounding yourselves with those people who are I call funky monkeys where you don't know what version of them you're getting today. Like we're going around on eggshells because yesterday you were really happy, but today you might be really angry and I don't know. Find yourselves who people of solid character. And you know what? 
you be that friend in someone else's world, a person of integrity, a person of love, a person of intentionality, a person that is willing to just go the extra mile for people all the times. You know, some people say to me, well, you know, how do we reach the lost if all we've got to do is make friends with people who are better than ourselves? Well, it's really easy because you've got to be friendly with everyone but friends with a few. You be friendly towards everybody, but you only have a few that are your innermost counsel. Psychologists reckon that we need between three and five confidants in our life. Three to five confidants, people that we can rely on, that we can trust, that are just trustworthy, solid characters, godly figures. You know, I, I am no mathematician at all, and uh, but I have studied the Word of God this week, and I have had my calculator out, and I have figured the whole thing out, that between three and five is four. <laughs> and four is the exact number of friends that this guy in our story had. One pick in the corner of his mat up each. These men, nameless, faceless men, we don't know what they looked like and we don't even know what their names were, but they positioned one man for the greatest life-changing miracle of all time. They positioned him Choose friends like this. Do you know these friends that we don't know what they looked like? We don't know what their names were. We don't know what their careers were. We know nothing about them. And yet their story went down in Jewish history because it was never about them. It was about the one. Do not choose friends that need accolades and stroking and messaging every five minutes for the one thing they did for you. Choose friends who are about you that are whatever it takes, I'm going to get you to Jesus. Don't worry about me. I don't need, just find some good, solid friends about you who simply want the best for you. It says of their friend that they they took him up on the roof, flat roof. This auditorium is actually uh, a flat roof. So they went up on the roof, these four men, and they broke the tiles and they made a hole and they lowered him down on the mat and... uh, he was lowered down on the mat, and um, I just, you know, I go funny places in my head, and I was thinking about this story, and I was thinking about if it was me and my friends, lowering the men. If we had a crisis in Braveheart, and we had to get some woman into Jesus, and Dorothy's on a mat, I'd be saying to the girls, okay, right, okay, if, you, if we're going to lower her in on the mat, that's a really big hole. Because if we're going to lower her in on the mat, the mat's got to be the size of a person. The hole's got to be the size of a person. So you get grab Dorothy's hands and we'll make a small hole, because remember this is someone's house girl, so damage limitation. And we will just dangle Dorothy through the hole and you lot hold her hands. I'll shout, Jesus incoming, as Dottie's legs come down through the roof. Because I know that all Jesus has got to do is touch Dorothy's ankle and wham, bam, she is healed. We whip her up, cover the hole, job done. That's what I think. But these were men, so the hole was twice as big. (laughs) And the mess was twice as much. And I'm like, oh, why are you thinking? But the truth is, it's actually quite significant that the Bible says that they lowered him in on the mat. And the reason it was significant is because the mat represented who he was. 
The mat represented his sin, his past, his shame, his life placement. The mat represented everything that this man was. They lowered him in on the mat so he couldn't stand with a facade, so he couldn't be placed before Jesus with a facade. It's as though they were saying to him, now just let Jesus see everything. Just let him see the real you because good friends help you see that Jesus accepts you just the way you are. Good friends will tell you, you don't need to clean up your act or polish up your whatever it is you're into before you come to the feet of Jesus. Just come as you are. Oh, don't worry about it, Bob. We're going to send you down on your mat. It's all going to be good. And then the most beautiful line in the Bible is this man is lowered to the feet of Jesus. Jesus looks at the man and there's these four nameless people looking through the roof and he looks at them and he goes, because of your faith, his sins are forgiven. That just blows me away, blows me away. Have you got friends in your world that have enough faith to believe that Jesus can radically change and transform your situation? These are the people that you need to surround yourself with. He forgives the man's sins and then he says, take up your mat and walk for the thing that you've been carried on, you are now going to carry. For the thing that has been holding you and restricting you, you will now have hold of it. And I want to say to every person in here, when you are in the right environment, surrounded by the right company, it's a setup for a miracle because it will always push you closer to Jesus. And the thing that once controlled you, you will get in control of when you surround yourself with the right company. I didn't used to be able to control my temper, but I got in a new environment of friends and now the temper that controlled me, I now have control of. I didn't used to be able to control my language, but I've surrounded myself with people who speak differently than my foul mouth. And now I feel like I'm in control of my language. I used to spend, 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 spend. I just felt like the spending was out of control. But now I've surrounded myself with people who understand finance, and now I feel like I am in control of the thing that once held on to and controlled me. The lie of this generation is I need more friends. But the truth to this generation is you just need the right friends. I'm going to ask us if we can stand And I know that today this has been a challenging word. I know that today this has been a little bit different. And I don't think there's any one of us in this place that could escape what has been spoken. But listen, when God challenges us, it's always for the good. It's never to be destructive in your life, but often it can be disruptive in your life. But God challenges you to make you better. Don't become bitter like 
Some people do when we look through the lens of jealousy and we we judge their life placement and we say, how come they've got that? How come they're that? How come their prayers always get answered? If, If you're looking at someone in the church and you're like, how come their prayers are always... Go and make a friend out of them. Hey, text them behind Instagram. Could, could we get coffee sometime? Could I, could you, like, I just want to hang. I have in my life intentionally pushed myself into people's world because I don't want to stay the same. I want to become better. So I'm going to pray, but the very first prayer that I'm going to pray is for those of you that maybe don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Because the Bible says that there is a friend, one who sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is not a faith. He's a person. He's a person who's very much alive and well. And a person who wants to introduce himself to you. A person that you can receive into your life and he will radically transform your life. Not only will he touch the external areas of your life. Oh yeah, he'll touch your marriage and he'll he'll touch that friendship. He'll touch that broken part in your heart. He'll touch that physical ailment that you've got but he will restore you and make you whole and give you union with the Father in heaven. So if that's you, and with every head bowed and our eyes closed, I'm gonna pray this prayer and I'm asking you, repeat it in your heart after me. Lord Jesus, today I hear that you are a good God, a God that is for me and not against me. And I'm asking you, to come and be my friend, my Lord, and my Saviour. Forgive me, Lord, for the things I've got wrong and done wrong. Today, I want to know you and call myself a follower of you. In your precious name, amen. And Father God, I just pray over every man, woman, and child in this place today. God, as we go through our life, I pray that you help us to navigate the journey of friendship because I believe so many counterfeits will come into our life to throw us off course. But God, we look to you. We look to you to be our, your, our true north. We look into your scriptures. We look into your words and we're learning from you all the time. And I pray, God, for some people in here that they'll have the boldness, the courage, the, the audacity to go and seek out good friendship. I thank you, Lord God, for the many aspects of of church that we have to be able to facilitate good, healthy friendship circles. I pray for those who are on the fringes or on the outside that they will have the boldness to jump right in and know, God, that in the in the company of many good, solid people in their council, God, they can find good friendship, that their plans will succeed, that their dreams will come to pass, that they will navigate the problem, that they will hurdle over the situation God, but it doesn't happen when we're doing life in isolation. It happens, God, when we intentionally seek you for the ones that we should include in our life. God, I ask all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. 
Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.